Good morning. It is good to have this number out with us for our first half of our worship service. And this morning I want us to talk about something that's that the question was asked from a rich young ruler. And we're going to ask that question. I continually hope we ask this question as well. Well, this rich young ruler uh, come to Jesus Christ and he asked a wonderful question in Luke chapter 18, verse 18. He asked this question. He says this. Now, a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? That is a good question. Of course, Christ goes on to rebuke him. There's, Why do you call me good? There's only one who's good. But the importance of that question there is eternal life. How do I get it? How do I achieve it? What do I have to do? We need to ask ourselves that question. Do we ask ourselves that question enough? I don't think we do. As a child of God, we need to continually ask ourselves that question. What must I do to obtain eternal life, that promise that God gives to those who are faithful? we got several passages of Scripture to read, and I know that most sermons are a three-topic sermon, which I don't usually do a three-topic sermon. I most of the time do an expository sermon. But this morning, I want us to look at five different things, or excuse me, six different things we need to do to obtain everlasting life. Well, the first one is to renounce the world. To renounce the world, to not let the world come between you and God. Don't let the world come before anything and everything in your everyday walk of life. Notice what Peter said in Luke chapter 18, verse 28. He says these things. Then Peter said, See, we have left all and followed you. Peter renounced the world and those who followed Christ after John 6 and 66 renounced the world and walked with Christ. Are we doing those things? Well, doing that thing, renouncing the world. Are we walking in a shape, form, and fashion that's pleasing to God? Again, that rich young ruler, he asked, what must I do to obtain everlasting life? Notice what he said. Notice what Christ answered him. He said, oh, they, oh, I'm not turned to that specific page. I have my little piece, my little passages here, but Christ goes on to tell him, you've got to do these few things. Of course, he goes through some of the Ten Commandments. And the rich young ruler says, of course, well, I've done all these things since my youth. And Christ says, you're lacking one more thing. You're lacking one more thing. Give all that you have to the poor and follow me. Oh, he was sorrowful to hear that, was he not? He was not ready to renounce the world. And he went away sorrowful. We need to look within ourselves. In an encounter with Jesus Christ, would we walk away sorrowful? Now this, of course, is after Judgment Day because Christ is not here. You, me, everybody living today, everybody who has gone on to the grave is going to stand before Jesus Christ one day. This rich young ruler in the account there in Luke chapter 18, verse 18, the account of that question, he went away sorrowful. He didn't like that answer. Are we going to go away sorrowful if we hear that answer? Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. That'd be sad. Walking away sad, knowing the opportunity of repentance is not there? Most assuredly. So we think very carefully 
about asking that question or receiving that answer of that question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, first one is renouncing the world, just like Peter said. Look, we have given up the world. Now we're following you. Also in Luke 18, verse 29, So he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house, or parents, or, bro or, or brothers, or wife, or children, for the sakes of the kingdom of God. Forsaking the world. Giving up the world. Because we know our inheritance is above. Another question we need to ask ourselves, where is our treasure? Is our treasure in heaven? Where thieves can't break into steel? Where rust does not corrupt? Nor moths eat? If your treasure is in heaven, none of those things can, it, none of those things can happen to it. It's reserved forever. Well, first off, we've got to renounce the world. Our next topic is faith in Christ. So we know we've got to give up the world. Now we've got to put something in the absence of that world. It's Jesus Christ. Turn with me to John chapter 3 and verse 14. Oh, y'all thought I was going to say 16, didn't you? Oh, no. John chapter 3, verse 14. And, of course, verse 15. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. The idea of him resurrecting, coming out of the grave after those three days, where he goes, where he tells those folks right before he leaves, I go on to prepare a place for you. And in verse 15, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life, believing in Christ. You might say, well, that's all i got to do is believe. Oh, no, no. No, that's part of it. Well, say first we've got to give up the world. Now we've got to have faith in Christ, right? To believe in him is an action. It's not a feeling. It's an action. And believing in Christ is a walk of life. It's following his commands, abiding in his love. And carrying on there in John chapter 3, in verse 35. The Father loves the Son, has given all things into his hand. Remember what Christ said in uh, Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18. What did he say? All power and authority has given, been given unto me. Who gave it to him? God gave it to him. The authority that Christ had as he was walking here upon this earth, as he went into the grave for those three days, and he continues to have that authority into heaven as we speak right now, making petition for us to God. He's our propitiation. He gave us that sin debt. He paid that sin debt. He's our mediator. He's our go-between between us and God. You remember what he said in John 14, 6. I'm the way, truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through or by me. We can't get to God unless we go through Christ. we got to have faith in Christ if we come to God. And 3 and 36... Notice what he says. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. I don't think I can say that any more clear. It teaches itself. Do we believe in God? We've renounced the world as Christians. Do we actually truly and honestly believe in Christ? Are we doing the will of God? 
Have we come unto repentance? Are we walking that life that we should be living? I hope so. Because God sees it. There's nothing going on that God don't know. There's no life that's being lived that God don't understand. He sees all. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. Renouncing the world. Believing in Christ. Doing the work that Christ continues to work. Not that feeling, as I just got through saying. Belief is not a feeling. Belief is a work. Belief is an action. If you believe in the Son, you're going to be doing the work of the Son in John chapter 4 and verse 14. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. He's speaking to that Samaritan woman, and he's trying to instruct her, well, this water in this well, that won't save you. The water that I'm going to give you is going to save you. That water is the word. That water is life. That action, the, the, uh, the word that's springing up into everlasting life is us living out our Christian lives. Living out our lives in accordance with God's will. Being his children. His faithful children. The true believers of God. And the reason why I say it that way is there's a lot of folks in the world who thinks they are Christians and who are not a child of God. Through false doctrine, misdirection, miscommunication, misrepresentation of God's word, they have been deceived by Satan. Ouch. Did I have to say that? I most certainly did. Because there are those in the world who believe that they are saved and they are not. They have been living out their lives in accordance with their own will, not God's. So think about that water that Christ is showing unto this Samaritan woman. And of course she goes on, goes on into that uh, little encounter with that Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. And she is convinced that he's a prophet. She is convinced later that he is the Son of God. And goes into the town and says, look, the Messiah has come. And of course the town comes and the whole scenario is there. But the important thing is Christ tells her, whoever drinks of this water that I give unto them shall never thirst. The words will be springing up into everlasting life. Everlasting life again, right? Renouncing the world and believing in Christ. The next one is one of the difficult ones. Spiritual service. Think about that. those two words for the next few minutes. Spiritual service. Have you ever considered yourself a servant? Now, I know the Bible uses the word slave. That's how a slave is, is a servant. And you are a servant either to one or the other. You're either a worldly servant or a spiritual servant. It's renouncing the world, believing in Christ, and providing spiritual service. John chapter 4 verse 36. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. You know what was said? The reapers, the sowers, folks, we are the sowers of the seed today. 
The word has been written. It's up to us as God's children to encourage folks to come unto it and read it, study it, adhere to it. Just as you and I continue to do today, or we should be. Notice who's glorified together or rejoicing together. God is glorified through those acts. Look who rejoices together. The reapers and the sowers. Think of a, think, think of a farmer in that, in, in that example of a spiritual service. A farmer who goes out and plants a crop and waits for that pure harvest. Yeah, I know there's thorns and thistles that's going to grow up with it. We have that example there together. But think of that, that harvest that's, that's ready, willing and able to be reclaimed on the day of harvest. And those, those ones that went out and planted that seed, and all of it springs up into a corn seed, right? You plant that corn seed, and it springs up into a, a corn crop, and how many little seeds of ear, how many little seeds is on that ear that you eat on the ear of corn, right? Those are actually seeds that you plant. How much good comes from that work? So much good. So much good if it hits that fertile ground. It's got to hit that fertile ground. But our work and the, and the, and the, the crops that is reaped, glorifying together, Imagine yourself on Judgment Day and seeing all the good work that has been played out before you and behind you, excuse me, behind you, because that day there's no more work and we enter into our rest. So we think back to the work that is back, back behind us, all those folks we have encouraged to come to Christ, those folks who we encouraged to come to church and listen to God's Word, folks we encouraged to turn away from their sins, to show them what they're doing is wrong, and we see all this good work that come from it. Think of the apostles. How much good work has come from Paul being converted? How much good work? How much good teachings? How many other souls have been saved through those teachings? I'm on that list. Those looking at me this morning are on that list. Those who have been immersed and re repented of their sins, immersed with the remission of those sins, and are living faithful unto that day are on that list. The reapers... And the sowers rejoice together on the day of harvest. That day of harvest is salvation. That day of harvest is judgment day. So we see we've got to renounce the world. Leaving all and following Jesus Christ. We've got to have faith in Jesus Christ. We've got to have that spiritual service. We've got to put our best foot forward to serve God so that we may be rejoicing together. And also, a knowledge of God. John chapter 17, verse 3. And this is eternal life, that you may, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Is it important to know who God is? Oh, most assuredly. Without the knowledge of God, we can't serve Him. Without the knowledge of God, we can't be obedient unto Him. Without His instructions, we can't get to Him. And if we can't come to Him, we're not pleasing in His eyes because we're not going through His Son. If you're not knowing God, you don't know who His Son is. I believe Jesus Christ told those disciples whom He was around at that time, and they asked Him, We ain't seen God. Neither have we seen God. Jesus Christ says, You see me, don't you? If you see me, you've seen the, son, the, the Father, because the Father abides in me. I proceeded forth from the Father. In other words, 
He was God. He was living out his life as God. Now, we need to look at ourselves since Christ is our, our uh, just cornerstone. Since Jesus Christ is our cornerstone, the person who we are to measure ourselves up with, how do we measure up to that? Living out our lives as God. Living out our lives as Jesus Christ, which is one and the same thing. The example that is left back for us to follow. Are we doing those things? Or are we living unto ourselves? Because we got to have a self-sacrifice. A self-sacrifice. If you turn back over to... Uh, oh, what was it? Oh, I just lost my train of thought. Uh, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. In the very first verse. I mean, the words is rattling around in my brain. I'm going to lose my bookmarks. Romans chapter 8 in the very first verse there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, we've got to put Christ on keep in mind, who do not walk according to the flesh not, not, not a fleshly life, not living unto themselves, but according to the spirit what was said just then? What was, what, that was, what was our instructions? What is our command? Being in Christ Jesus and living like Christ Jesus. Living like Jesus Christ, folks. If we're not living like Jesus Christ, we're not His. We're not walking according to the Spirit. We are walking according to the flesh. We've got to have that self-sacrifice. We've got to know who God is. We've got to trust and believe in God. We've got to renounce the world. And this is eternal life that you may know that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So far, the conditions of receiving everlasting life, that question that was asked right by that rich young ruler, what must I do to obtain everlasting life? Renunciation of the world, giving it up, faith in Jesus Christ, Spiritual service, self-sacrifice, a knowledge of God. Right? So far, that's what we got. The next one is Galatians 6, verse 8. Galatians 6, verse 8. We sing a song that refers to this very last point. Are you sowing the seed of the king of the kingdom brother? And the song will just echo in my mind right now. Are we doing that? Since we know now that, that even in 2 Corinthians, that we know that we have a, a ministry of reconciliation, we, that's part of our study there, that we were just moving right along in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, right at the end of it. So we think about that reconciling. We think about that going out there into the world, sowing the seed of the kingdom. Galatians 6, verse 8. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. Let's think about that first part for the next few minutes. What does flesh do for us? It corrupts us. It kills us. It destroys us. And it will condemn us. Back to Romans chapter 8, verse 1, right? You can be in Christ 
sowing corruption. Huh? It's an option. It's not a good option. It's an option. Saying you're a Christian, saying you are a child of God, and not behaving like a Christian, not behaving like Jesus Christ, not abiding in his love, that is keeping his commandments, you are sowing corruption. You are living in the flesh. Therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. If you are in Christ, not living like Christ, the, the, the scripture that was read in 1 John chapter 1, if we say that we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We need to say that we're sinners, not to say that we're lost, but if you are not sowing the Spirit, you are reaping corruption unto yourself and those whom you come in contact with. I made a, an example this just a few minutes ago about misdirection, miscommunication, misinterpretation of the Word. Do not reap unto corruption, sowing of the flesh. The second part of Galatians 6 and verse 8, the, the positive end, the, the pleasing end, the, the last answer of reaping everlasting life. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Now, going back to that cornfield that that farmer planted in that good fertile ground, and those crops sprung up. They got the nourishment of the ground. They got the sunshine beating down onto them. Those crops matured into crops that produces fruit. Well, I know corn's not a fruit. But they produced that corn, and it was reaped, and it provided for those who partook of it. Did you notice the similarity there? About everlasting life. Now the questions. Have we renounced the world? Or are we trying to live in the world and live for God at the same time? We had that answer this morning. No one can have two masters. Either we're living in the world or we're living under God. Now when I say living in the world, I mean living of the world. We look like the world. We look like someone of a carnal mind. Carnal mind results in death. Having that spiritual mind is life and peace. We also find that in Romans chapter 8. So, Renounce the world. Give those things that pull you away from God. And there are so many examples. So many examples of not renouncing the world. How about your faith in Christ? That's one that that's stumbles a lot of people. A lot of, a lot of people stumbles at that faith in Christ. So, well, I believe. Do you really believe? Show me your faith without your works. Can you do that? No. You got to have those works with your faith. You can just believe, but that belief is a is a dead faith. We got to make sure we have that live faith. We got to make sure we have that active, working faith in our everyday walk of life. So when you truly and honestly believe in Christ, you're going to do the will of God. That is, come unto repentance and live out your life as one of His children, a faithful child. How about your spiritual service? That's another one where a lot of people stumble. Your spiritual service. How many of us has talked about God in the last week? Not enough. Not enough. Answer it for yourself. Not enough. We don't talk about God enough. I can tell you right now, the world doesn't talk about God enough. They don't. They don't want to hear about God because they don't want proof of their condemnation. 
They don't want proof of their death and destruction because that's what he is to those who are lost. Those who do not have everlasting life awaiting for them. The question the rich young ruler asked, well, how do I achieve everlasting life? How, how do I uh, inherit? This? How do I receive that inheritance of everlasting life? That's what we're talking about this morning. We've got to have spiritual service. In the absence of our spiritual service, we're not showing God that we're working for Him. Because what is service? It's work. It's actions. Speaking. Helping those in need. We have those examples of Christ Jesus Himself. Notice what was said in John 6 and verse 40. And this is the will of Him who sent me that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have everlasting life and I will raise Him up at the last day. No better words of encouragement were there. So why would we not be faithful unto Him that promises everlasting life? How about a self-sacrifice? Romans chapter 12. That's another one as well. To be though that uh, living sacrifice. Be conformed, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Wow, that's, that's a lot. Do not be conformed to this world, because this world will be gone one day, and will be raised up on that last day into everlasting. That's encouraging. I don't know about you, but that's encouraging to know that we are not, don't need to be conformed to this world, but so many stumble as well. Self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifice. We need to ask ourselves, what would God have me to do? Have me to do today? What would, he, what would be pleasing in His eyes? We need to ask ourselves that as well. A knowledge of God, and so many people stumble in this area as well. There's a lot of people out there who don't even know what's pleasing to God. There's a lot of folks out there who don't even know who about God is. But unfortunately, there are some who know who God is, know what's pleasing in His eyes, and do not do it. we got to have that knowledge of God. we got to have that means, motive, and opportunity to serve Him and do those things that's pleasing unto Him, using that knowledge in our everyday walks of life. And again, the last one, sowing to the Spirit. Are you sowing the seed of the kingdom, brother? There you go. I told you it was rattling in there. Are we sowing the seed? Are we talking about God? Are we encouraging people to come away from their sins and stop doing the things that displeasing in the eyes of God? To stop serving Satan blindly. I don't think we do it enough. So it's my encouragement this morning to answer that question. What must I do to reap everlasting life? There's your answer. Six of them. Renounce the world. Faith in Christ. Spiritual service. Self-sacrifice. Knowledge of God. And so in the Spirit. There's your answer. Are you stumbling in any one area? I know I am. I continually need work. Just as each and every one of us in this world needs work in those areas. But thankfully... Thankfully, when we stumble, we can pick ourselves up and we can dust ourselves off and get back into service into God. That representation there was. When we fall in one area, we sin. We reap into ourselves destruction. So my question, do we need to turn away from our sins? Most assuredly, there's your answer for that one. Does it need to be this morning? 
Do you need to put Christ on? Do you need to be immersed or baptized for the remission of sins? If you're hearing this lesson, do not wait because tomorrow is not promised. Be ready to put Christ on and to answer that, that, that question, what must I do to reap everlasting life? Well, without Him, you can't do it. So baptism is how you put Christ on. Immersion for the remission of sins, which is the same thing as baptism. And serving God for the rest of your life. Knowing that you have everlasting life waiting for you. Has that changed in our spiritual life here in this audience? Have, have we succumbed to Satan? Have we taken that short walk with him? Have we stumbled in one particular area ready to grow and pick ourselves up? Do we need, we need to help you pick yourself up this morning. Why wait? Why don't we come back to God as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation?